This is Health on the Plains, a podcast about rural communities, rural life, and the many factors influencing the health and well-being of rural Kansans. Health on the Plains is a podcast from the Kansas Health Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational organization committed to informing policy and improving health in Kansas through honest, nuanced conversations with leaders and doers from a variety of backgrounds. The Health on the Plains podcast offers unique insights into rural health challenges in Kansas and shines a light on the people and organizations working to make their communities healthier, more vibrant places to call home. Welcome back to another episode of Health on the Plains. We're here in McPherson, Kansas. We're at Blue Stem Pace facility and we just wrapped up a wonderful conversation with Emily Rain. She's the executive director here of Blue Stem Pace. It's a wonderful organization doing really innovative and awesome things to help seniors and older adults maintain their dignity and stay in their home if they would like to by surrounding them with all sorts of different services to provide the best care they can in an individualized way. It's a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Today, we are here in McPherson, Kansas, and our guest is Emily Raines, who is the executive director of Blue Stem PACE. PACE, P-A-C-E, stands for Program of All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. Uh, before serving as executive director, uh, a role you took on earlier this year, mm -hmm. uh, Emily was the director of market development and intake for Blue Stem PACE. Uh, in that role, you helped grow the program in a variety of ways. You spent time educating uh, adults and caregivers and, and potential participants and other healthcare partners about the value of the program. And then you also got to coordinate the intake uh, of new program participants uh, and build those connections with participants and their families. Uh, Emily is a, a well-respected leader and voice uh, in the space of, of PACE programs and, and uh, innovative approaches to provide care, and you even recently served on a panel uh, for an event that KHI hosted uh, focused on person-centered care and aging in place in rural communities. Emily, we are so excited to be with you here today and to learn more about your work. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that you are here. Awesome. So today we're, we'll be talking a lot about Blue Stem Pace program and, and uh, right, the Blue Stem Pace program that's operating right here in here in central Kansas. But the PACE program has a, a really rich history. Uh, and for a little context, it the roots of PACE, or what would become PACE, go all the way back to 1970s, early 1970s, uh, on the West Coast in the Chinatown North Beach community of San Francisco. In 1971, there was a public health dentist, uh, along with some other community leaders that, that saw a need for long-term care uh, services for the families uh, whose elders had, had immigrated to the community from Italy, China, and the Philippines. Uh, and, and over 50 years and a lot of work, a lot of support from different foundations and different leaders and some legislative action, that initial innovative approach and desire to meet those needs grew into a, a really well-established program that's now in 32 states, including right here, right here in Kansas. Uh, and here in our state, as of September of this year, there are three PACE organizations offer services to Kansans in 23 counties. Mm -hmm. uh, and the state is awaiting CMS uh, approval to expand the number of counties across the state uh, in which PACE services are provided. So 
Pace is both a program that you can find uh, across the, the country, but it's not everywhere. And so we're really excited to, to have it here in Kansas uh, and have it here in, in McPherson area. And in short, Pace offers participants an alternative to traditional residential care homes and nursing home facilities uh, by enabling them to stay in their homes. Uh, and we are going to dive into what that looks like here. But before we do that, Pace, Blue Stem Pace here is part of a broader organization. And I, to just help folks put it in context, it's part of Blue Stem Communities. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Blue Stem Communities and, and this region and, and the, the communities that you serve here? Absolutely. So Blue Stem Communities has a long history of caring for seniors um, in your traditional sense of um, care homes. Uh, we currently have two life plan communities. So one is Kidder Methyl Village, and that's in North Newton, and then also Showalter Villa in Heston. And so about, you know, 10 years ago, Blue Stem said, you know, we really want to care for seniors kind of in the traditional sense, but also in the sense of folks are starting to want to receive care at home and really stay in place. And so Blue Stem was very innovative and, um, you know, in collaboration with the state, opened this PACE program about seven and a half years ago in an attempt to not only serve folks in, you know, the traditional sense of on a campus, whether that be, you know, independent living or assisted living or healthcare, but we want to really give folks an option to stay in their communities. And so that's where PACE came in, um, opening in 2016. 2016. And, and you've been with PACE how long? Since we opened. Since the beginning. Yes. So you've seen the, seen the growth of the, the program from, from day one. Absolutely. It's been a, a fun adventure to see. And it, you, you started to, to sort of get into to PACE program and, and at its heart, it's, it's working to meet uh, older adults' care needs while remaining in their home. And that's a, a big part of, uh, we know generally that a lot of older adults prefer to stay in their home. They want to age in the home that they that they built and that they they know and that they love. Uh, and it that there's a broader concept around that called aging in place. That's, mm -hmm. that's the idea that, it, and it can be defined as the ability to live in one's own home and community safely, independently, and comfortably, regardless of age, income, or ability level. So the PACE program really supports that, that idea. But before we get into specifics of what PACE looks like here in mm -hmm. Blue Stem PACE, when you think about the rural communities here in, in central Kansas and, and the communities you serve, because you serve the region, there's mm -hmm. multiple counties. What are some of the main challenges or the barriers that, that our older adults here in this region face in trying to age in place? Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that's, you know, I wouldn't say newer, but a, 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 the spotlight's been put on it through COVID and post-COVID is really the workforce. So if you think mm -hmm. about a senior who goes to their community physician and they say, oh, you could really benefit from some home care, or you could benefit from some assistance with bathing or dressing. Um, it's very challenging in rural communities to be able to find um, agencies and or individuals who are interested and willing and more importantly trained yeah. to, to provide that care. I think another barrier is often, um, you know, when we have to leave our community to get a specific kind of care or therapy, can be transportation. So um, when we're not driving any longer, or maybe we're depending on a son or daughter who's working to get us to appointments, you know, being in a small community where you don't have bus service and things like that can be a definite challenge. 
Um, and then just in general, just the availability of a variety of services. There may be some services available in your community, but you know, having each and every service that you need can be a major challenge. Yep, absolutely. And the when we think about uh, older adults in, in town like like I grew up in, and is similar town to to where you live yeah. in uh, my hometown, Nest City, and, and you're at Mound Ridge, just just uh, south of of here. 1,500 people, 1,700 mm -hmm. people, uh, that, that size town is not going to have all of the same services that a, a larger city has. And if, if you're an older adult uh, that has more need for different services, and then on top of that, you have challenges getting to those services, at a certain point, staying in your, your home and overcoming those barriers mm -hmm. time and time again can be really difficult. Absolutely. It can be really a daily challenge and even one that you know you and i were still driving we're you know traveling at distances no problem mm -hmm. um it can really be the thing that keeps you up at night the thing that really uh, causes a lot of concern and and can you know really create other issues like depression and anxiety and things like that and and so even if even if if we have a an older adult that is finding a way to make mm -hmm. it work that that strain and that stress can can have other other implications even just quality of life can 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 be really challenging Absolutely. when you're having to overcome those all the time. Yes, it can it can definitely be something that's taking away from doing the things you love and want to do. Absolutely. So, we, with all those challenges, we talked mm -hmm. about the the challenges and the barriers. It, I want to now get into Blue Stem Pace, and because I, I really think when you hear all of those some of those challenges, and I think about what Pace program is and what it can be. It seems perfectly suited to step in and help address some of those. So when you think about Blue Stem Pace specifically and, and your communities here and, and the, the ways you serve, serve folks, what, what does it look like to, to be a participant in Blue Stem Pace? What, what all do you do through the program? Absolutely. Well, I'll try to keep this to our conversation today because there's so many things that we could talk about. But in general, you know, Blue Stem Pace provides our the older adults in our program the opportunity to stay at home while receiving all the services they need provided through one team and coordinated and delivered to them versus uh, a situation where you're having to go find services and, and piece and part them together. So one of the phrases that often gets used for Pace is we're a one-stop shop. And I love and hate that term, but it really is fitting in that, you know, for seniors who have a complex medical conditions, they're needing support with their act activities of daily living. They may need support making sure they get their medications and or are able to take them. Um, PACE provides an opportunity for our, our folks to partner with us in having those needs met. So when someone's in our program, you know, we're providing their medical care like primary care but we're also coordinating specialty care that they need, like if they need to see the cardiologist or another ologist. Um, we're providing all their medications. We're providing durable medical equipment. So if someone needs a walker or a wheelchair, or maybe they need a ramp for the front of their house, you know, those are very challenging to get in an urban setting, but even more challenging in a rural setting. Yeah. So um, additionally, you know, folks, can be very isolated in rural communities. And so we bring folks into our day center. 
where they have the opportunity to have a meal together and um, some meaningful activities. Uh, like bingo is the number one thing we do here. So uh, that's everyone's favorite. Um, as well as while they're here at the day center, they can um, have physical therapy and, and maybe see a dietitian to talk about why they're losing weight um, um, kind of unexpectedly. So what we do is bring all the services to one place. And then we bring our senior our seniors to that place to receive services and then also things in their home. So if they need assistance with uh, cleaning or bathing or getting dressed or or those kinds of things, our team's able to go out to the home and care for them as well. So wow. we just wrap them up in care. I I will say when we when we walked in, I love that you mentioned the the bingo and and the the enjoyment that folks get from that. Because when we, we walked in, we had a chance to to see some of the space we're in here and I, we walked by a table and saw the bingo cards and, and people were playing <laughs> playing other card games. And, and I, I think there's a, there's an immense value in, in, in that social interaction, Absolutely. I would imagine, in the, in the community. Uh, and we're noticing as well that people are wearing shirts that say <laughs> Blue Stem Pace because they're, they're proud to, to be connected with and, and be part of the, it's almost like a community that you've Absolutely. built and, and a community with the, the care providers as well. And that feels very different than than other ways you receive care. Like, I don't yeah. wear a shirt for the hospital I go to when <laughs> I need a scheduled appointment. One of the things that is different about PACE <laughs> is that, you know, what brings an individual to PACE may be that they're having more falls or they are needing assistance with showering or, you know, they're forgetting to take their meds or maybe they can't even get to the pharmacy to get their meds. Those things bring people to PACE. I think what keeps people at pace is the community and really the family environment. So folks don't even realize how much they need interaction and, and relationship with others until they get here. Yeah. And they are looking across the table at someone and say, they're my age too. And they're struggling with diabetes or they're struggling with heart disease. That's really, you know, causing shortness of breath and, and keeping them from doing those things they wanted to do. So it's finding that, commonality amongst each of us even though we're here for a different reason i feel like we stay for the same reason which is the connection yeah. and and that quality care that we can give because we we form relationship yeah you know and you you that that relationship piece that partnership piece is is something that that i hear and in, in how you talk about it and i and i see in in uh the program and you you really seems like the pace program is intentional that this is a partnership it, between the the person receiving care, the participant, between the care team, even with the the family members, because you you mentioned there could be a variety of ways that that sort of people start to to get connected with or come into the program. So can you you talk about uh, that partnership approach mm -hmm. and what what that means and how how that's a really uh, important piece of this. Absolutely. So everyone in the PACE program is uh, qualified based on the state of Kansas assessment to be able to live in a long-term care facility. So, you know, they have lots of needs. So the partnership comes in in that um, staying at home is challenging. Um, we have a lot of barriers to overcome together. And so when we have a participant and their family maybe who are committed to doing their work to stay safe at home, we come alongside and do our work and it just is a really a perfect combination of um, working together to stay at home. Um, because doing that sometimes is more challenging than looking at, you know, a, a, a place where you're just cared for 24 seven. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the, so there can be some additional, additional challenges or, or a unique, 
um, things to, to think about in staying at home. And it, it necessitates that everyone be sort of participating together. But th it sounds like for the folks that, that do decide to participate, mm -hmm. there's enough benefit from that that it's worth doing, even when uh, there's maybe more investment from the whole team, that uh, it's some bigger benefit than, than the alternative. Absolutely. So I think the kind of person that PACE attracts, if you will, um, and there's plenty of these folks in Kansas, consider myself one of them, is, you know, the, really pick yourself up by the bootstraps, really maintain our independence. I mean, none of us want someone telling us, you know, what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And so I think in PACE, um, it provides an opportunity for our participants to receive as individualized care as possible you know, in their home environment, in collaboration with their team. And it really takes that mindset that I'm going to pick myself up by my, my bootstraps to stay at home when it gets challenging, when it gets hard, maybe when our mobility changes or, you know, we're needing more care. So um, that get it done, get it done, individual, independent spirit that so many Kansans have really fit perfectly with PACE because we can work hard together to keep folks at home where, our family will come see us more readily where our dog is, you know, um, and in that place we've lived for maybe 50 or 60 years. Yeah, absolutely. And another, another piece of that, that I, is when I, when I think about allowing people to remain in or supporting them and, and enabling them to age in place in the mm -hmm. home that they built, it not only allows that individual and that family to to maintain that sense of place and connection to the home mm -hmm. they built and their, their pets or, or their their favorite uh, room that they've uh, made just just exactly the way they want and there's memories attached to the mm -hmm. place and and it allows all of that but i think about especially in our really small communities those older adults that have been there for years mm -hmm. that were the former mayor former president of of the the uh, rotary club or the they used to be a teacher or they maybe still are doing some mm -hmm. of those things but they they have such an impact on the community and they're such a voice and a leader mm -hmm. for the community that allowing them to remain in their home in a lot of cases also means allowing them to remain in the community itself Absolutely. when the alternative is a care provider that's in another city so is that part of do you see that that as part of the benefit too of, of a program like PACE? Absolutely. And one of the things that we notice or folks are sometimes concerned about is, you know, if I'm going to come to the PACE Center, but I'm, you know, but during the day I'm involved at my senior center or I, you know, help babysit for Bible school or I, you know, am involved in some other way. Uh, we always help people know that we are not trying to just keep them at home, but also in their community. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's some folks that are active, active members of their community, mm -hmm. some that are active in as much of a capacity as they can be, and really bringing, you know, the wisdom and relevance and the context to their communities and keeping that, keeping that going. Um, you know, in our small town, there's folks that we see at all the basketball games yep. that, you know, graduated 55 years ago. Yep. And if we didn't see them there, we would notice their absence. Our kids would miss them being there. Um, and I think that that's something in our culture as we become more digital and we've come together through, through technology and also have separated a little bit. Um, what's alive and well in small communities is the intergenerational 
um, aspect. And that's not only something that's important to us here at Pace, but in Boosted communities to really be remaining in our communities, providing the options to be able to remain engaged, as engaged as possible. Absolutely. We, we talked a little bit about thinking about some of our, our really small communities and, and some of the, the culture and some of the, the things that, that um, PACE can support uh, continuing and, and those intergenerational connections and those relationships. And I, I want to sort of broaden out to thinking about PACE programs and how, so the, the PACE program you operate here serves several counties it and does. it's ba you're based here in McPherson which mm -hmm. for for uh people from Ness in my hometown Ness City probably feels like the bigger place mm -hmm. but from a national standpoint it's still pretty small it's pretty mm -hmm. rural but you especially serve some really rural areas and smaller communities as well and I imagine you you do some work and connections with other PACE programs in, in bigger cities and nationally I, I'm curious to reflections on on what you see about unique opportunities and challenges for pace programs in in our rural communities versus the the more uh, urban communities so one of the ways that a rural pace is really set apart from an urban pace i believe is partnerships with other providers um you know not only does a pace program this rural need to lean on like additional transportation providers but we also lean on community-based physicians uh, we know in rural settings, we meet folks who have had the same doctor for 30, 40, 50 years and really transitioning their care um, is challenging on multiple fronts. Willingness, number one, um, you know, I can understand if I had a doctor for 50 years, I was probably not leaving them. Um, and also uh, just the continuity of care, you know, to help seniors age in place, the continuity of care cannot be overstated. Um, one small change can really throw things off. And so we have partnered with some community-based physicians to be able to keep those relationships intact while also surrounding that individual with more care. And I think in a rural setting, that is very important because of those, um, you know, the, the long-standing relationships that exist. Um, so I think partnerships with providers help, um, you know, bridge the gaps of, of relationship and they also bridge the gaps of just service availability. Um, so making sure that we have the services out to the farthest stretch, like Sterling, Kansas, or, you know, as north as north of Salina or, or, or south to like the Sedgwick County line. Um, so we really create a network of specialists, a network of hospitals that we work with if we need lab or we need uh, imaging or, you know, so we're not bringing everyone here to McPherson for imaging. We're partnered with our, our local hospitals yep. so we can do that. So I would say partnership is the one thing that sets urban and rural apart. Yeah, that that's really interesting. And that that resonates with with a lot of, of my experience. Right? We had a physician in town that was served multiple you know generations by the by the time he, he eventually retired. And I imagine if if I had a, a family member that was considering participating in PACE, that would be really important to maintain that, mm -hmm. that relationship. But what sounds really unique and in a lot of ways innovative is it's a both and. So how do you maintain mm -hmm. the relationships and the resources and build on what's here and connect it with additional resources? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that opens up a, a whole new level of care that you're able to provide. 
Absolutely. So if you think about a community clinic, you know, they're going to order a new medication, they're going to maybe recommend some physical therapy, but the scope of how much we can make sure a person follows up with that is pretty limited. And so when we partner with a local physician, um, we're able to, you know, make sure we get those medical records. We see they've ordered a new medication, they've ordered therapy, they've maybe ordered some, or they'd like to have somebody, you know, consider for assistance with showering, you know, our team can then say, okay, and we're going to jump in and help support in that way. So uh, really being that safety net, not only for our participants and families, but the other providers that we work with. Yeah. Yeah. And you, every time you're, you're providing an example of what this looks like, it sounds slightly different. And I think that that's a big piece of this too is it's really individualized and, Absolutely. and one of the things you that's part of the the program is is an individualized care plan can so can you tell me how so someone comes in and and they they're eligible and they they come into the program what what does it look like to develop that individualized care plan and who all is involved in, mm-hmm. in making that so i think one of the unique features of about pace is that it is an interdisciplinary care plan so when folks come into our PACE program, they are assessed by two handfuls of people. Um, so they have an assessment with our physician, with a clinic nurse, with a nurse in their home, with a social worker, with our transportation folks, just to meet with them and see what that's going to look like. They have um, assessments with our PT and our OT, our recreational therapist, and our dietitian. Wow. So this whole group of individuals meets and interacts with our participants and their family and really gleans what from my perspective as a pt or an ot or a dietitian what can i bring to the table to help support this individual so then our interdisciplinary team which is what that group of individuals is referred to they come together and say you know what do we need to do to help this individual be successful at home based on our own viewpoint, get that all on paper, make sure that's in harmony together. And then we meet with the family to say, does this sound right? Does this kind of reflect what we talked about? And this whole interdisciplinary plan is based on their goals and objectives. So when they come to see us here at PACE, we're gonna say, what, Mr. Jones, what is your goal? What, what, what are, what's really important to you? Because for us as medical professionals, what might be important to us and what might be important to Mr. Jones are oftentimes two different things. So we wanna marry those together and make sure that we are truly meeting his needs um, and then we go go on to the next. So the, the blessing of PACE is that whatever our participants' needs are specifically, we can meet them there, but we can also grow as their needs change. And so we're constantly assessing, you know, what are the needs? How are we serving them? Are we meeting their needs? And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a collaborative living process. It's yeah. not a, defined document it's really an assessment that continues um, throughout their lifespan here at pace and i imagine if i were on my own working with a with a family member trying to replicate pulling together all that expertise on my own uh, Mm -hmm. that's 10 20 different appointments that (laughs) might be traveling all all over and you're bringing that all together all under one 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 roof or one one the one-stop shop thing. Yes. And, and I, I just imagine that that um, is, a, is a burden that's taken off of, of a, a, a family that maybe before that was trying to navigate those things on their own. Correct. We have, you know, f- uh, caregivers that will reach out and say, you know, I'm, I'm almost out of vacation for this year. I, I've taken off so much time or 
you know, the doctors made these recommendations, but I'm having struggles piecing it together. And so uh, when folks come to PACE, it, it is, again, it, it's that collaboration and the support, not only of the participant, but, but their family. Um, you know, my in-laws happen to be in this program. And as much as I know about PACE and have been working with seniors for seven years, um, to have the support of the team to say, is what I'm seeing about my mother-in-law, is that concerning just to me? a layman or is that concerning to the team and what can we do that to support so, so you, we, we talked about the the quality of life improvements it can bring and when you think about as a as a family member of someone mm -hmm. I, I imagine that it can also provide some benefit to that person that was being the, the caregiver or even if they weren't a caregiver just as as the the neighbor the family member the loved one just knowing that there are more people that are behind you or with you to help make sure that, that your loved one's cared for. That, that sounds like a, a really amazing benefit of, of the program. Absolutely. To, to know if you're caring for a loved one, chances are it's your first or second time doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, we don't, we don't take care of a lot of, we don't have eight grandparents typically, right. you know, um, but our team takes care of only seniors all day long, every day, year after year after year. And so if we combined the experience in this in this building, uh, we're talking hundreds of years of, of experience taking care of seniors. And so it is just that little, uh, the, the relief of knowing we're in this together. Uh, our, our families and participants have a 24 hour on call. Uh, they can call us anytime and they're not talking to somebody in Kansas City or in Chicago, giving them support over the phone. They're talking to our team who they know who, who's been in their homes. Um, and it's just a really great opportunity to take care of folks in their home or age in place safely, yeah. as safe as possible, we like to say here. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think when, we, when we've had, had these conversations and, and uh, in, in our, our podcast, uh, one, one common theme uh, with, with rural communities is how much it means to show up in person and mm -hmm. to be in person and to be here and be part of the community. Mm -hmm. And you, you made that example of it's when you call, it's not someone far away in, in another, another big city that doesn't have the context. It's someone that's, that's been here, that's part of the community, that's been in your home. And I, that trust, I think, probably supports the care that you provide as well. Absolutely. So one of the things that we see when folks are new in PACE is they may have um, like routine visits to the ER or uh, like hospital readmissions, you know, they're experiencing a lot of that. Um, and, you know, for us who aren't medical people, uh, you know, if you're having a sign or symptom, you maybe could take care of it in the morning, but you're so worried about it that you, you know, end up in the ER, or maybe you really do need to be at the ER because you're not able to see your doctor often enough. Um, the trust and the longer a person's in the PACE program, Interestingly enough, the data shows that drops off. So, you know, when we know we have that, that trusted person we can call on the phone, we can triage the situation, we can have a nurse go out overnight, we can go out there on Christmas Day, whatever. Um, it really helps us stay in the home and community and out of the hospital in the ER. And as we have new and different germs flying around, um, it's really great to be able to only be in those environments if necessary. Um, and so it, we're a good partner as well to our local ERs and our local hospitals to say, you know, are we caring for a person with a, with a long-term view versus a just looking at the next thing? Yeah. And, and the, the 
I think sometimes when we're when we're thinking about uh, providing care or, or collaborations or partnerships, uh, it can be easy to overlook the importance of trust. But trust is is like the foundation upon which a, a lot of really important stuff happens. And when you have that foundation of trust, you're more likely to reach out, more likely to share. This is how I'm feeling. This is what matters to me. This is what I'm I'm dealing with. And the the more vulnerable you are and the more willing you are to share that and you know that the person will receive it well and it will be uh, acted upon, uh, that can help with set up some of those benefits. So you mentioned readmission as one of the, the potential benefits that you're seeing. What are some of the other things that you see coming out of uh, as a sort of successes and benefits mm -hmm. of a PACE program? We talked about quality of life, uh, the, the sort of burden that you that carry that can go away but what are some of the other benefits that, that come with participating in this? absolutely so pace and and this boost and pace specifically um is able to assist 97 percent of the folks in our program with aging at home through the end of life wow. um and i think that is one of the biggest successes you know when somebody enrolls in pace and they want to live at home as long as possible um, when as long as possible is through the end of life, that is uh, that is the ultimate goal. When we have someone pass away at home, we are all celebrating um, that that was able to happen. Um, other things we are seeing, you know, our therapy and pace is done a lot differently um, than in traditional Medicare where you, you know, are seen for a certain amount of visits um, after a certain event that happens. Uh, we're able to do our therapy, PT and OT on a much more ongoing basis. Our payment structure is set up so that we can, you know, we don't receive reimbursements for individual events. We are a capitated payment or a flat rate payment structure. So one of the things that we see is that our individuals are able to receive and participate in therapy and then also supervise exercise for a lot longer. So we're able to, you know, increase mobility. We may have somebody come in in a wheelchair and you know, in a in an appropriate amount of time, we're working with them on walking or maybe walking with an assistive device. Um, so we're not just maintaining a baseline, but we're helping individuals become more independent than when they came to us. Um, and so we're also seeing, you know, hospital readmissions are being very, very low. Also, ER visits being very, very low, but also um, really taking a look at um, just single events. You know, we had an individual enroll in our program who you know, had been in the ER about four times the previous month to her enrollment. And that had been happening every month for almost a year. She'd had you know, about 40 ER visits. And I know that sounds to you and I like a lot, but uh, she enrolled in our program and was here almost five years before passing away and had two ER visits. So you know, when you just have access to that care, um, we're very preventative and anticipatory. So we're trying to treat situations when they are minute new and small so that we can prevent some of the, you know, infections and falls and things like that that happen when we don't get preventative care. Absolutely. Wow. That yeah, that what a what a great example of, of some of the successes and uh there's I imagine some of that it is you're able to if you're in the home, you're having so many frequent conversations. You really have uh, ability to have to be eyes and ears and see and identify and prevent things that you you don't have if it's more the traditional. Here's our care facility. You come in whenever you want to, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's later than we'd want to, to see you, and then we provide that treatment. And it's just a different 
different approach than, than what we see in a lot of other care uh, that's provided. Absolutely. And that matters so much for individuals in, in staying in the community. You know, we can identify a urinary tract infection with just a few small things. Um, and typically they're not identified until someone's in the ER feeling really horrible. And then they're going to be in the hospital a few nights. So we can identify that early, keep them at home, keep them comfortable, um, and really, you know, keep folks as as comfortable as possible you don't want something to get out of hand and end up in the er you're usually miserable by the time you get there <laughs> yeah. and we that that's a, an amazing benefit for for that participant and their family when we think about our healthcare system and the other healthcare providers especially in in rural communities uh if if the er is responding to something that could have been prevented it it's not able to respond in the same way to something else that that maybe is couldn't have been prevented. Cool. And I I one of my parents is is an EMT head of EMS, and it you know if the ambulance is over here, it can't be over there. And and if we can prevent the things that can be prevented and save those resources mm -hmm. for when it really is that that emergency, then that's a benefit to the entire uh, healthcare Absolutely. system. So I I wanna I wanna ask. Uh, sort of go into something that we've mentioned and, and talked about in a, in a couple different ways in it. It makes me think of a, a song that, that I really like uh, and an artist I really like. Uh, his, his name is Coulter Wall. He's actually a Canadian singer, but he's, he's from the Canadian Great Plains. And, and a lot of his music uh, touches on the themes and the life we, we have in, in places like McPherson and, and Mound Ridge and, and uh, the surrounding communities. He has a song uh, titled Plain to See Plainsman. And in the song, it's this narrator sort of reminiscing on, on his home and who he is and his identity. And he's talking about his travels across the country and, uh, and all, the, all the people he's met and he and speaks very highly of, of the South and the North and the East and the West. But but the, the hook or the chorus really shows you know, what, what he cares for at his core and who he, who he sees himself as. And, and it begins with, let me die in the country that I love the most. I'm a plain to see plainsman. And the chorus ends with this plain to see plainsman is longing for home. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I think about the alternative to what you enable with a PACE program. I can imagine some folks that could, could identify with that if they had to move to somewhere else to receive care, leave their home, leave their community that, that they, they loved and that they built up. And there's a loss that comes with that. It might be a great place that you receive care having to move uh, to, to a uh, a home or, or a facility, but there's still a loss of, of your home and your identity and, and all that you built. And when you think about the rural communities here and you sort of hear that, that line and, and think about the, the sense of, of connection to, to what, what people have, how important is that, that dignity, that autonomy and identity enabling people to maintain that by staying in their community and their home. I think those things are the most important. And one of the things that those of us who work with, you know, those aging in rural communities need to be 
acutely aware of and need to be reminded of often is that, you know, it's that same independent spirit of, you know, being able to pick yourself yourself up by your bootstraps, raise your family, uh, farm for many, many years in all conditions that we need to honor and really put at the forefront because each of us individually, whether it's remaining at home or, you know, receiving a, a certain type of care and really being able to have your voice be heard in what you want for yourself is so, so important and something that as I work with individuals, um, often acknowledge is maybe being overlooked. I think in the best intentions, you know, by family, by providers, by, uh, you know, by friends, um, it, it's so important that the voice of the person receiving care is heard at whatever level they're able to make it heard. And those of us caring for seniors should be really you know, the advocate and facilitator of making sure that voice, that voice is heard. What does the person who is receiving care want and what's important to them? Because in rural communities, um, what's important may be so different Mm -hmm. than what's important in a big city or to even their neighbor. You know, what we each individually feel like is important um, should be honored. And I want that for myself in, in the future. And so really just trying to be acutely aware that when we're caring for people and when we're potentially caring for people, really ensuring that their voice, you know, is at the table and, and really is what matters. Yeah. And there's something, um, you, if you do that, that inherently recognizes their dignity and, and their uh, autonomy and, and says that, you know, what you care about, matters and we're going to prioritize that mm-hmm. and, and you, you gave some examples uh, earlier that that may look uh, as relatively simple as i love going to the high school basketball games mm-hmm. i have a spot that i sit in it's on the fourth row on mm-hmm. the right and i want to be able to climb up those stairs and get to my seat right and and how do we as a care team combine the different uh, services to maintain that ability as long as possible but you don't get to that unless you say what matters to you. Exactly. No. Exactly. You will never know what matters unless we ask the question. And so we remind each other often, you know, maybe we've had somebody in our program for two or three years and things are changing. And maybe we're like, goodness, it seems like, you know, we're not communicating as well. It's like, has what matters changed? Because yeah. sometimes it does. Yes. And so it's just reminding each other. You know, that as we're caring for a person, you know, their needs, thoughts, preferences might change. And, and it's really our responsibility to make sure we are aware of that and really maintaining that and making sure that we're helping those folks meet their goal. If they want to crawl to the fourth row, we're going to make sure that we prioritize therapy yep. um, and exercise and good nutrition and making sure we're on medication. They're on medications that aren't going to cause dizziness or, or things like that. So it's really that that approach of um, surrounding a person and helping them reach their goals together. And you, you talked about how in in doing that, you as a care team and and you have to, to remind yourself to, to really uh, put that front and center. And it makes me think about, and I think that, that I, I would need to do the same too if I was in that situation. And part of why I think I have to, 
do that so intentionally is, is perhaps that our culture in the U.S. more generally maybe doesn't do that mm -hmm. with, with our older adults. And I, I'm wondering, as you've worked with, with families with older adults, your reflections on, on more broadly how we see our older adults in, in our communities and, and maybe how that lines up with, with what you're trying to do with Blue Stem Pace and, and maybe what, what is missing sometimes in how we approach supporting them. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that is so important is uh, we see at some point uh, the role of, you know, the parent who they brought us into this world, provided for us, raised us up with our values and our, you know, beliefs and, and maybe even a mission in life or a calling. Um, and, and we're really receiving from them um, wisdom and direction and um, just all, all the things. We're kind of looking to our parents, right? And um, then in our communities, at some point in time, there's like the tipping point of where uh, what I perceive a lot is, and, and I'm meeting with a family that has a 93-year-old mother and a 68-year-old daughter, and um, almost their perception that that role has changed and shifted from the mother to to the daughter of saying mom you need to do this and this would be good for you and really the challenge that exists in facilitating a conversation with mother and daughter to really um acknowledge that even though some support is needed that that individual the mother is still has the autonomy is it mean the dignity is maintained so that we're not um taking more control and more independence than needed from those who have come before us, our elders in our community. So I think that translates from the family dynamic also to the community dynamic of, you know, we have the up and coming generation and, and um, they're going to take over and make things better. And I think there's uh, in the making things better, um, there is another loss that exists of how things were and how we got to where we are. You know, we wouldn't be able to, make things better if things hadn't been made better and transitioned and established in these communities for the last 50 years, the last 100 years, the last 150 years. So there's some level of respecting how we got here and the folks who who helped us achieve this before we transition to this is what's next in our communities or in our families. Um, and so I really try to look at when we're meeting with folks and you can kind of feel that dynamic coming to kind of um, name the elephant in the room a little bit to say, goodness, mom, when was it that you handed over the, the reins, you know, and, and, and then just have a conversation about, you know, what are the things you, you know, you that are super important for you still to have the reins on, you know, maybe you need, nobody wants help with a shower, but maybe you acknowledge it's time for help with a shower. What are the things that you've still, that you've got that you don't need any help with? And just to kind of engage those folks in the conversation of like, goodness, I can still do this and I can still do that. And you know what? You need still need to listen to me about this or that, you know, and really help families and communities to say there's so much wisdom and knowledge and context and um, nostalgia related to this generation of individuals that I feel privileged and honored to care for. Um, we're not those, those are stories that we're not going to be able to replicate, yeah. you know, in the future. We were just yesterday hearing about one of our employees who 
doesn't know how to use a rotary telephone and how um, out in the day center they were talking about that and not only did they get on the rotary telephone but then we were talking about the party lines in the country and all those kinds of things and you know um, all of these um, things that will be lost someday when we're no longer talking about the party line or the rotary phone or you know the fact that our kids uh, now can text when they're three or four years old or eight or whatever you know uh, back in the day you know they, they walk to school uphill both ways you know and and, and where's that lost and yeah. so we try to here at pace and then also as we work with families to really um, honor that and not allow that to be lost in in the process so really holding our elders up in esteem as opposed to um, kind of moving on to the next best thing yeah yeah it, when we know that that generally and and as as we get older um, as we age, uh, there some things will become harder. And and mm -hmm. if someone's able to be in, uh, eligible for the PACE program, they have a certain level of need. Mm -hmm. But it's it's being able to say yes, some things are harder, and and there's some loss here, but that doesn't mean that we should sort of discredit or or mm -hmm. or not acknowledge and not appreciate all that you still bring to the community, mm -hmm. all the that you still bring to the family all that wisdom that you have. And it sounds like the, the PACE program really, um, that you all have here at Bluestem PACE really tries to, to center that. And, and it goes beyond just, we have services, healthcare services, mm -hmm. that's services that we can provide. But there's, as you said, you're sitting down, having these conversations, helping families and, and loved ones uh, sort of see how, how this all comes together and shift maybe how they're viewing this aging experience together. Is Have you seen other examples where maybe that, uh, like a before and after where that, that perspective of, of aging or perspective on, on what, what life looks like shifts as a result of participating? Yes, I think one of the definite things is the definition of safe at home. You know, when you're caring for mom or dad or grandma, um, we have these ideas for ourselves about what safe at home looks like mm -hmm. and oh it's time it's time to do something else we're we're too worried you know and that something else is placement outside of the home typically um but i think as we think creatively you know to speak positively of technology we have so much technology these days that we can place in a home and that we do place in a home to say you know grandma if staying at home is the most important thing for you and i'm telling you when they say you're not here to take me somewhere wow. i mean with tears in their eyes mm -hmm. we're not gonna no we're not gonna take you somewhere we are going to help you as much as possible mm -hmm. stay here and we can kind of educate the family to say goodness there's lots of technology that exists that can help grandma stay at home longer mm -hmm. um that we might not even consider without kind of a team saying what would you think about um some cameras in the home? What would you think about some monitors on the doors? What would you think about? So I think, you know, as we think about safety at home, we think about as safe as possible. What is, what is the family and the participant willing to accept as safety if it helps them achieve their goal of staying at home? You're not going to take me somewhere, are you? No, we're going to help you stay here as long as possible. And there's lots of ways that we can help you, can help you really do that. So I think it's, um, a lot of it's education of the options that exist in between 
staying at home, aging in place with no help, kind of Wild West style, and out of home placement. There's so many cool um, services and technology and um, help that exists in the meantime. Mm -hmm. We call it the runway here at Pace. Our right. runway is long. When you join Pace, we're gonna give you as little as the runway as possible, because mm -hmm. we want as much of the runway as possible for the future. There's just so much can be done. So I think it's um, education of what's possible um, with families who've never done this before. Again, they're caring for mom or dad for the very first time, or mom or dad are saying, gosh, I need help for the first time. I don't wanna even tell anybody that I need help. It's because we don't know what exists to help. So it's our job and I think the job of other senior care providers to really educate people about what exists mm -hmm. so they know what all the options are. Yeah. You know, PACE isn't the only option in senior care, um, but we are a option and we are the best option for some folks. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to educate about the option and, and know and believe and trust that um, their families and, and, and their, the participant themselves or other, other care providers are going to help um, educate us about what's out there to care for Mr. Smith yeah. in the best way for him. Yeah. And and that's a, I, I, I just have that that image of you, you come into a person's home and they their perception is it's either or I'm mm -hmm. either here or I'm I'm yeah. in a, a in a offsite or out of home uh, uh, facility or or place and placement and so. It, that either or they fight and and there's a lot of fear and a lot of concern that that they can't stay in their home and, and you're able to say no that's not that's not what we're what we're trying to do and but that takes education like mm -hmm. you said it, it if if that's how we're viewing uh, that time in life and that aging process is either or uh, then then that looks and feels very different than mm -hmm. than what you the option you have with with blue stem pace and and you mentioned something earlier about the the payment plan and, and payment plans and, and reimbursement can get really technical mm -hmm. but in general what the way the the model is set up it allows you to provide whatever level of service is needed it's not sort of dependent on we provide certain number this this certain amount of hours it's it's we have the payment for a person we provide you whatever you need we pull all that mm -hmm. and is that is that accurate? And it, that sounds how's that different than than maybe what a, what a what it would look like with a different approach and not not in that sort of payment approach. Absolutely. So for most individuals in our program, and right now I can speak of a hundred percent of individuals in Bluestem Pace, um, our services covered a hundred percent between Medicare and CanCare. So if a, a person's listening, you know, and they're here in Kansas and they have Medicare and CanCare or Medicaid, um, the state has come so far. The legislature has made so many amazing improvements over the last seven years um, to where PACE, the PACE program throughout Kansas, is paid for at 100%. So we are reimbursed by uh, Medicare and Medicaid at a flat rate payment structure. Um, which is different than a doctor's office. If you go to a doctor's office and you have a visit and you have blood work done and you also have some imaging, you know, they're going to receive three reimbursements for your visit. Um, here at Pace, we're, we get a monthly reimbursement and then it's really our responsibility and we're held accountable to make sure we're caring for a person's 100% of their medical needs. Um, and so, but on the payment side for the individuals, uh, you know, folks that are with Medicare and Medicaid have no cost for our program and really um, get, you know, just 
100% access to care at no cost, no premiums, no co-pays, no donut holes, none of that. So, you know, it's just a really great option for folks saying, you know, I want to stay where I'm at um, and I have, you know, Med Medicare, Medicaid, uh, and, and that'll pay for it at 100%. Um, a lot of folks come to us and say, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I would pay for PACE and we can help educate them in the process and walk them along receiving some entitlements that maybe they haven't, again, getting can care is very challenging for someone who only has done it once in their life. Um, but we do that often and, and can really help folks. And so, you know, the state of Kansas has made some major positive movement in supporting PACE at a high level um, through making sure folks can access PACE at no cost here, here in Kansas. So. Amazing. And, and that I, I, just think about the complexity that that often surrounds receiving care and, and payment and billing and what does my insurance cover what doesn't cover and and just the the again the weight that is taken off your shoulders when when it's that simple for the participant and there isn't that cost attached uh, is is a, an amazing benefit so you started and I, I want to sort of end with with broadening out so you started to talk about uh, what the state of Kansas has done and you all serve uh, six counties here in, in the region, and you have a specific service area. But I imagine in, in all your, your years of experience, you've thought about what, what growth of, of PACE could look like for, for the state and for other rural communities. So if you had to, to, to say or to imagine what it would take to grow PACE across the state and, and have something like Blue Stem, in, in other parts, uh, what do you think it would take uh, for for us as a state or for those other communities to, to try and try and do do what you all are doing here? Yes, I think one of the most exciting things is hearing that that we're looking at expanding into to new service areas here. I think you know the thought has been for a lot of years. You know, the service areas we have are the most rural we can go you know, to make bringing folks into a centralized day center make sense. I think to be successful in PACE moving forward to the even more frontier areas, uh, we would need to consider um, probably partnering with some local senior centers to provide some of the day center services, which a lot of them are being done already with the PACE program, obviously providing staff to help provide the care that we do in those places. Um, as well as probably looking at some type of mobile units for the providers. So, you know, when you think about we serve McPherson, Marion, Harvey, Rice, Reno, and Saline counties, McPherson's here in the center. And so we can bring everyone in. Everybody's about 45 minutes away from the center or less. A lot of them are less. But, um, you know, in your more, more rural spaces and frontier spaces, you know, it would need to be considered to probably bring our clinic, which is our provider and nurses and things like that more out on the road where they would visit these smaller centers um, on certain days and at certain times. So we would need to create more of a, um, you know, we need to provide, create more of a network that is not just um, ancillary services, but also our main services, which are our physicians, our therapists and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, the PACE providers here in Kansas, um, are are creative enough and innovative enough and uh we partner on a deep level uh, we have a lot of communication meetings collaborations we work together on legislation 
So I think the providers that exist here um, can really uh, have the collaboration that it takes to to take pace to, to more rural spaces um, and through kind of an outside the box thinking. I think that's one of the things that pace does exceptionally well is we think outside the box. We're not um, limited to some of the other rules and regulations. We are highly regulated, right. No, con have no concerns about that, <laughs> but we are given the um, really the freedom to think outside the box and do things that aren't done other places and try things, you know, and also reinvent ourselves as, as the needs happen. I think the COVID-19 pandemic taught us that, um, is that, you know, we were doing things one way and within two days we'd flipped them completely inside out, you know? And so if we've learned anything over the last three or four years, it's that we are a lot more agile and resilient than we think and know. And so we just um, need to really lean into that space as we think about growing pace in Kansas. It is possible with the right partnerships and the right support at multiple levels. Absolutely, and I, I love that you, you I, I think there is a lot of innovation in our rural communities and there's a lot of resources that are there that, as you said, we, we have to think creatively and build on the resources that are there and connect them with, with additional resources and bring the, the great minds and great organizations like the one you have here uh, to, to those, those challenges. And, and I think we can, can see a lot of growth, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing about Bluestem Pace. It, I, I, uh, it was great to, to come into your, into your space and to hear about uh, the, the impact you're having on people's lives and and pace provides a lot of, of care and services and specific services that that mean a lot but i think that just the overall benefit in terms of quality of life and in honoring people's dignity and allowing them to stay part of their communities i that i think that just means the, the world to to the future vibrancy of, of the rural communities that we want to see and and i'm excited that we got to hear about what you're doing here and, and i'd love to see how uh, that can potentially grow across the state thank you it's been so great to have you all here and to share our pace with you thank you you just heard health on the plains look for new episodes twice per month follow us on social media and continue to listen to the latest episodes wherever you regularly listen to podcasts. Learn more at khi.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.